0: Last week we began a new series called Reckless Love and it's kind of inspired by that song that we just sang. And, and it's one of those things that when you hear about God's never-ending love, we kind of get that. But when you hear about his reckless love, we're a little unsure. Okay, what does reckless mean? Well, I was wondering that myself. So I went to the dictionary and looked up reckless. And reckless, first of all, means to be careless. And, and sometimes when we're reckless with relationships, and we're reckless in our lives, we're just kind of careless. The, the second definition means that it's unconcerned about the consequences. So sometimes when we're reckless, we just say things, we do things, we act in certain ways, and we're just not really concerned about the consequences. And, and so when I begin saying, well, God, what is your reckless love? I want you to know today that his reckless love is not careless love. And, and what that means is that God is not a- attentive to you in one moment, and in the next moment, he's forgot about you, and he was a little careless, and now some things are happening in your life, and we have a tendency to start saying, hey, God, where are you? God, God, what's going on? But I think it's, he's unconcerned about the consequences only from the standpoint of he's going to love you even if you don't love him. That's amazing. That really is because we're not typically wired that way. We love people that love us, and the more we love on people, the more we like them to love on us, but God's not ever going to do that. God's love for you is not going to be based on what you do or what you don't do. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't some bad consequences for living contrary to the Word of God, but what I am saying is that God's not ever going to change how He feels about you. He actually is love. It's the essence of who He is. So when we as followers of Jesus Christ begin to understand about the love of God, it changes everything about our lives. Suddenly we're filled with the love of God. Suddenly we have confidence in our position with God. We recognize that we're his child whether we do good or whether we do bad. He's going to love us unconditionally in spite of it. But the, the cool thing about it is is the more we understand the reckless love of God, the more we're able to actually give that same love away. And that's what the world really wants to see, is if we're actually smoking what we're selling. (laughs) They really do, because it's easy to come to church, we talk about love, we talk about love, and then we go out and we are just as mean, I've been in some churches that are meaner than a lot of people that don't even know Christ. So we've got to believe actually what we're talking about. In fact, Jesus said this, by this All men will know that you are my disciples. They'll know if you're really a follower of Jesus Christ by the love that we have for one another. It's not because we went to church on Easter. It's not because it was Easter Sunday, so we dressed up a little bit. It's not because we'd looked the part. It's because the love of God is in our hearts and lives. That's what empowers you and I to give the love of God away. See, what's happened is now is we're under a new covenant. There's the Old Testament that was the Old Covenant, but we're now under the New Covenant. And the amazing thing about the New Covenant is things changed because of it. The Old Covenant was about doing. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. Under the New Covenant, it's not about doing, now it's about being. It's about understanding things at the root issue, things inside of us, so that we begin to understand the things correctly at the root issue, it produces the right fruit in our lives. See, you can't be filled with the love of God, understand the love of God, recognize and have a revelation of the love of God, and be unloving. In fact, it's one of the best things in my life that I recognize. When I'm acting unloving, happens like once a year, something like that. little bit more often than that. But when it is, what I recognize what's happened is I have gotten my eyes off the reckless love of God. And what I've done is I've gotten my eyes on myself. I've gotten my eyes on my problem. I've gotten some, my eyes on some circumstances. I've gotten my eyes on other people. And suddenly I've got the wrong focus in my life. And when I have the wrong focus in my life, it produces the wrong fruit in my life. So today, this morning, I want to take Just a a few minutes to kind of explain some things, that's Texas vernacular, about what the new covenant is all about. Because listen to this, God has promised you and I that he is never going to stop doing good towards us. Oh, Pastor Rich, you don't know what I've been doing. It doesn't matter. God is doing good towards you all the time. That's why the Word of God says that He causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It means that in your best moments, God's goodness is towards you. In your worst moments, God's goodness is towards you. So I want to explain a few things. First of all, 1 John 4, this is where we kind of began this series. 1 John 4 10 says this, in this is love. He's about ready to define what love is. Not that we loved God. Now most of my My life growing up in church, I was constantly forced in a sense, being challenged all the time. Talked about, you gotta love God, you gotta love God, you gotta gotta love God, right? And we just all the time, we gotta love God, we gotta love God. But this verse is helping us understand in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. Pastor Richard, are you saying it's not important for me to love God? Absolutely not. But I'm saying that you'll only be able to love God. When you understand, first of all, how perfectly he loves you. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. That means the appeasement. It means that he's paid a penalty for you and I for our sins. Drop down a few verses in verse 17, and it says this. Love has been perfected. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily just perfect. Jesus was perfect, but it really means complete. Complete. It's, it's a done deal. When Jesus said, it is finished, he didn't say, it is finished except for what you did. Right? right. right? He said, love has been perfected among us in this so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Amen. Listen, when you begin to understand how perfectly God loves you, you're not ever going to be afraid anymore. Right. doesn't mean that you won't deal with fear Because fear will still try to come in and steal the reckless love of God from you. But you don't ever have to be afraid anymore because you understand that God loves you. The creator of the universe loves you. For, For those of you that are Marvel people, the master of the universe loves you. Oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, he loves you, so he's watching over you today. He's protecting you today. You don't have to be afraid. That means when you fail, Because of the fact that we've been afraid of God, we run from God. I blew it, I'm not going to church anymore, I'm not going to read my Bible, and I'm certainly not going to pray because I'm afraid God's going to strike me dead. Right? But when we understand how perfectly he loves us, when we fail, we run to him and say, God, that wasn't me, sorry about that. He goes, that's exactly right, that's not you. You're you're better than that, Richie. And then we begin to understand that we begin to walk in the revelation love of God so that we can have boldness in the day of judgment and catch this last part because as he is, as Jesus is right now, right now, so are we in this world. It's what it means that you've been perfected today. So you need to understand that because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that has covered over your life today, you are completely perfected. You're completely right. Now, there's there's still some behaviors that are on their way, right? How many of you are sitting next to somebody that their behaviors are still on the way? You're not sure if you should nod or yet, anything yet? Probably had a discussion about some of those behaviors on the way over here, right? But it's what's happening in the world. So today, we celebrate that there's been a great exchange that's taken place. Jesus took what we deserve, punishment for our sin, and we got what he deserved, blessing and favor. It's the twofold understanding of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Christianity is called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. Now, unfortunately, a lot of times, Christianity does not sound like good news. It sounds like have-tos. And God wants you to know it's good news today that there's a twofold purpose of what God did. He took the punishment for our sin so that we could get his blessing. There's been a great exchange that's taken place. And while this is a positive expectation, I want you to understand today, it's not just positive thinking. We have a positive expectation and positive understanding about the goodness of Jesus Christ. So I want to show you today an old covenant promise that is revealed in a new covenant um, um, uh, truth today from Jeremiah 32. And I want you to catch this because it's God's desire to do good in your life. God wants to do good in your life. People ask me all the time, Pastor Richie, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen world and God in his, in his understanding of you having to love him by making a choice, he has given every one of us a free will. And sometimes that free will will runs up against the will of God and bad things happen in our lives. But I want you to understand today, it's always God's desire to do good towards you. In fact, the Bible says that he'll take what the enemy, the devil, not the person you're married to, but the enemy meant for evil and he'll use it for your good and for his glory. You want to know how David became king? He killed a Goliath that was in his life. You want to know how you're going to go to the next step in your life? There's a mountain that you're going to have to come against. And I'm telling you, God wants to do good towards you. So Jeremiah 32, verse 40 says this, that I will make an everlasting covenant. Now it's talking about the new covenant that I've been talking about. With them, it's talking about us, that I will not turn away from doing them good. So God has promised us an everlasting covenant that he will not turn away from doing us good. We see this in Isaiah 54 where God says that because of what Jesus did in Isaiah 53 that he will never be angry with us again. He will never condemn us because of Jesus. And listen, God had a right to do that. God had a right to set things in order and he does it righteously. Because you see, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. It wasn't like he just said, okay, forget that debt of sin. No, he actually paid the penalty for our sin. So God wants us to know that he's making an everlasting covenant. Do you know how long everlasting is? Everlasting. All right, doesn't end. He's made a covenant that he will never stop doing us good. Well, what does that actually look like? Let me give you an example of what Jesus did. And by the way, we're supposed to be doing the same things that Jesus did. So Acts 10 says this, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what God wants to do in our lives too. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So why do bad things happen in our life? Because there is an enemy, the devil, that's trying to bring bad things to oppress you in your life. But God loves to do good. Let me give you another chance on that. God loves to do good. All right? So as far as we, we are concerned, God has promised us that he would never stop doing us good. So I don't know what this next week is going to look like for you. I don't know what you're going to deal with, if it's going to be an amazing week, problem-free, or if you're going to have some challenges. But God has promised us that he would never stop doing good. If you all understand that, say amen. Next verse says this, yes, he's continuing on, I will rejoice over them to do them good. So not only is he saying he's going to do good, he's actually going to rejoice over us to doing good. He actually enjoys doing good things for us. We've, we've always thought of God as a miserly God who will do things if we do things right. We do things, oh, that was almost good enough. All right, here's a little bit. You take this. God rejoices over doing us good. And the reason is, is because God is a giver, not just an investor. Okay, catch this, because a giver gives to give. A giver just says, I want to bless you. Let me just give, let me just give. An investor gives expecting something in return. See, many of us have an improper view of giving because of the way that was passed down to us. And we typically give wanting something back in return which is really just an investment. Again, it's because what we saw growing up. When we think that we're giving, we're actually just investing. How can you tell? Because when the rate of return doesn't match the investment that you're making, you stop giving. This happens in friendships. This happens in relationships. This happens in marriages. I'll give only at the level that you'll give back to me. Now, I do think in relationships, it's important for both people to be giving. And when just one's giving, one's giving, probably need to sit down with somebody and say, hey, we got to work through some things because it is important for that to be built up because we're not God. Amen. And sometimes we get depleted from giving, but God gives to give simply because he loves us and he wants to bless us. So God doesn't give just to invest in us. He does. But listen, when our performance doesn't match his giving, which it never will, he still gives. He still gives towards us. In fact, in the story of the prodigal son, the father is a picture of God. And, and he, he didn't wait when the son had come home, didn't wait for him to get all the way home, explain everything that he had done wrong. Okay, tell me it again one more time. What did you do wrong? Now, are you sure you're really sorry? The Bible says that when he saw his son from a far off, that he ran to him. Culturally, that was so wrong for the dad to do, but he ran to him. He said, hey, he hugged on him. He kissed him. He loved him. The guy had been in a pig pen, all right? And he's hugging on him and kissing on him. Y'all getting that? I mean, that's how much God loves us because many of us were in a pig pen, and God still loved to us, ran to us. He loved on us. He hugged us, and he kissed us. He said, bring out, bring out the robe. Put sandals on his feet. Give him the ring. Look at the style or the manner in which God gives. And yet so often we just get get confused because of the way other people give to us. We think that's the way that God gives to us. Listen, when someone tells you that they're sorry, forgive them. When someone comes to you and says they're sorry, forgive them. Don't ask them, okay, what specifically are you sorry for? preaching to myself a little bit today, y'all get a listen in on this one. Because it's easy for us to do that, right? Because we're unsure if they're really sorry, because they weren't bawling, they weren't crying. What are you really sorry for? Right. Just forgive them. Listen, the key to making relationships work, you want to hear a big secret? Forgive. Right. Forgive, 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 forgive. And then when you thought, well, I've forgiven as much as I can, forgive some more. Right. It'll make your relationships work work well see the Bible says that the way God enjoys doing good is he rejoices over us to do us good so again it's not just something he's like oh all right here's something good he rejoices he gets excited about it look at this verse Proverbs 35 just talking about the goodness of God it says let them say continually how often continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Y'all understand that's the word of God for us. He finds pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. I want you to see two things. First of all, let them say continually. Because it's easy for us to say continually, God, where are you? God, what's going on? God, what's the problem? Say continually the promises of God. In fact, Psalms 107 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say, I've been redeemed. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. And the second part, that he finds pleasure in your prosperity. Do you know when you're prosperous, it brings God pleasure? Listen, when I see my, my children succeeding, it brings me pleasure. In fact, let me break it down and make it even simpler because Jesus helps us understand this when he ducks, talks about the illustration of our father and us being his children. In Matthew 7, he says this. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Can you all say good things? Good things to those who ask him. I said, if you know how to give good things, and we who are evil compared to God, our motives aren't always right, right? Sometimes we can kind of give to manipulate. Maybe that was just people in the first service. All right, we can give. Our motives aren't right. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things? Can I ask you to say good things again? Good things to those who ask him. Pastor Richie, why aren't good things happening in my life? I, I would dare say there are lots of good things happening in your life. In fact, can I say that every one of us go through challenges? In fact, this week you may be faced with a challenge. You may be faced with a couple of, of issues at work, an issue at your home, and you got these two problems coming. And suddenly these are the only things happening in your life. Yeah. And, and we forgot that we slept on a bed, yeah. that we didn't wake up grumpy, yeah. that we got out and our car started, yeah. that we made it to work, yeah. that we had work, yeah. that we can breathe. Yeah. And the blessings go on and on and on and on and on in our lives. And yet we get, we get trapped. God, what, where are the good things? And God's going, really? Right? You, you all know what I'm talking about. If you've had kids that went through the teenage years, I, I call them the, the stupid years, not because my kids were stupid. It's just that they thought I was stupid and everyone else was stupid. Yeah. And they went through, and you didn't let them do one thing. You, you're sheltering them. You're feeding them, taking care of them. And suddenly, dad, you just don't really love me anymore. And you want to go, seriously? Yeah. Can, can you understand sometimes how God feels with us? We get a challenge come up and it's, God, what's going on? Right. Listen, we got to stand up and start speaking to our mountains. Yeah. God tells us in his word what we're supposed to do. Right. Right. So God w- enjoys giving you good things. He delights in doing you good. He's made a covenant with us. It's not a contract. If we live up to our end, he's, it's a covenant. He's going to do it no matter what, that he will not stop doing us good. And when God does you good, the result of that is your life is going to be a reflection of the goodness of God. I say this all the time to our church. We're living way beneath our privileges as children of God. God wants to be doing so much more in our life, but we simply don't believe and we get filled with doubt, fear, and unbelief. And we start speaking doubt, fear, and unbelief instead of speaking the promises of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Serve a good God. He loves to do amazing things in our hearts and lives. Jeremiah 33 says this, Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all nations of the earth. Catch this, who shall hear all the good that I do to them. See, God wants all the nations to hear. He wants your family to hear. He wants your co-workers to hear all the good things that God is doing. Why? The rest of that verse says, They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provided for it. Listen, he's talking about what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do through you. God wants the people around you to be almost fearful and trembling. This is not talking about a judgment issue. It's talking about being so overwhelmed with the goodness of God because of all of the prosperity that he gives. All of the good things that God wants to do in your life. Pastor Rich, are you a prosperity preacher? Listen, the gospel is all about prosperity. It It really is. It's a lot better than a poverty mindset. And I'm telling you, God wants to bless you. So he's talking about what he wants to do. Listen, people... Ask me from time to time, Pastor Richie. Man, what's happening in this church? Why? What? What? What's the growth from? We we started this church with eleven people, and what's the growth from? What's What's lo- What's happening? Why are people's lives being changed? Well, when they ask me, I always tell them, "Listen, it's it's simply the grace of God." Yeah. But when I tell them that, they well, we know that. But what are you doing? And listen, what we always are trying to figure out more better ways that we can pastor you, better ways that we can love on you, I have to tell you, it's simply because of the grace of God. We are just not that smart. No amens, please. I thought it would be the first time I'd get some amens out of you. So it's a message of God's grace that brings life and brings hope into people's lives. Hope for a better future. Listen, and God does it for one purpose, so that we'll see how good he is. It's not about how good I am or how good you are, it's about how good God is. You know what, a lot of you don't even recognize what's really been happening in your life. You don't recognize because you've been connecting more and more to grace the way that God is changing your life. I don't know if you have any family that you don't get to see but maybe once a year and they have small kids and you go back a year later and you're like, wow, man, they've shot up. The parents didn't even see it because the growth was just so slow and just kind of happen happening every day. But you got a this view from happening every year, and that's what's happening in a lot of your lives. You don't you don't even recognize how much more blessed you are than you were before. When you didn't understand God in your life. You don't recognize how more healed you are, how much more prosperous you are. Uh, a few, recently. Pam and I, I, think it was a couple of weeks ago, we ran into somebody that, that she, or we saw somebody that she had gone to school. We didn't run into them. I didn't know if you'd get confused if we heard him. Yeah. Um, sorry, get a little silly sometimes. Um, um, we, we ran into somebody. We saw somebody that, that Pam had gone to school with and graduated with. And, and when we were looking at them, I was going, oh my goodness, this other person looks so much older than my wife. And I know what it is. It's because of the grace of God. Listen, the Bible says that our youth becomes renewed like the eagles. And it's amazing when I watch people that walk in and, and their life's beat up and they're just, they've just they gone through tough things and I watch them begin to understand the grace and I, and I watch them just begin to blossom and they get, get to be young looking, younger looking all the time. It's totally amazing to me. Listen, and I'm not telling you today, if you understand the grace of God, that you're going to get to be as beautiful as my wife. All right? But what I am saying is that the more you understand the goodness of God, it starts showing up in your health. It starts showing up in your finances. It starts showing up in your relationships that God has promised that he will never stop doing you good. Some of you are beginning to recognize what's happening. Some of you still haven't fully understood it. But listen, some of you, because of legalism, you said, I'm never going to church again. Because you thought, I can never perform to that God that you're talking about. And because of that, you, you decided you would never go to church again, and yet God brought you here. God, God brought you here, and suddenly you're beginning to understand the grace of God. Many of you, for the first time, are really understanding just how good the good news of Jesus Christ actually is. That Christianity's not about rules and regulations. He gives us his word because he wants us to understand the path of life. But he's not trying to get us to say, if you can measure up to this, then I'll do good towards you. He's always doing good towards us it's bringing freedom into our lives see there's are some areas of your life that the enemy wanted to bring destruction into your life but God is bringing freedom and now what because of what Jesus Christ has done it's given us hope for a better future from what we deserve to what Jesus deserved. Yeah. you know in fact just going back real quick on the issue of forgiveness if you are ever remembering what you were forgiven for it will empower you to forgive other people yeah. And listen, don't start thinking that the moment you start doing right, that's when God's going to start doing good towards you. He's always doing good towards you. The goodness of God is all around us. It's all over us. It's covering up our lives. We just have to believe it and receive it. And I'm telling you, if you're struggling with that, you start saying over your life, God, I believe that you're good. God, I believe that you're good. You're facing a challenge. I don't know what you're going to do about this, God. But God, I believe that you're good. Gotta believe that you're for me. Your word says that you're for me. And if you're for me, who can be against me? No one, no thing today. Got to start believing it. Start meditating on the reckless love of God. And your heart will become so filled with the hope of God that hope in God does not disappoint. Now, hope in my circumstances sure does. Hope in my situation, hope in other people sure does. But hope in God will not disappoint. So here's the key, and I'm going to close with this. In fact, I'm going to invite the worship team, if you guys would, to go ahead and make your way up here. And and I want to close with this, and I want you to really catch this because this is the key to everything that we've been talking about today. It's from Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It's going to be up here on the screen. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. This is what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ, that we've been justified. That word justified means that we're declared righteous. I want you to understand today that if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you already are a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't become more righteous than you are right now. Now, your behavior will become more righteous, but who you are, you can't become more righteous. And how did that happen? By faith. Wasn't something that you felt, something, you may have felt something, but it's not based on that. It's not based on how well you did. It's by faith. By that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. So have you been justified by faith today? Yeah. I want you to understand that you are right with the most important person in the universe, God himself, because of Jesus Christ. And it goes on in verse 2 and says this, Through whom, talking about through Jesus Christ, Also we have access by faith. We've got access by faith into this grace. That grace means the unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor of God. If it's unearned, can you earn it? If it's unmerited, did you deserve it? No. By whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And you're going to have to stand in it. Because the enemy wants to knock you off of it. The enemy wants to get you to believe that God's disappointed with you. That God's saying, I don't love you now because of what you did. By faith, you've got to stand in it and rejoice in the hope of God of the glory of God. Listen, because of the reckless love of God, a love that isn't concerned about whether or not you're going to love Him love Him or not, you and I now stand on favored ground. We're not standing on cursed ground anymore. We're standing on favored ground. And notice this grace and favor is accessed by faith through Jesus Christ. I also want you to notice the last line, that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. There's, there's real joy, there's real rejoicing found in the hope that's found in God. And when that verse is talking about hope, it's not a wishy-washy, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping it will happen. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of good. So it means that when I'm walking through something, all of these voices in my ear are trying to tell me it's not going to work out. This, this is the time God's not going to come through. But hope is a confident expectation of good. It's the, it's the substance that faith is involved with. My hope is in Christ today. And this is important for us to understand that because of the reckless love of God, it causes us to maintain hope even in the midst of the storms of our life. Should I, can I only have hope when things are going well? No, you can have hope in the midst of the greatest storm in your life. Listen, I, I've been going through some things recently myself, and I'm, I want you to know today, I have hope in God. Yeah. I, have, I have hope in the goodness of God. My, my anchor is set. I am confident. I have a confident expectation of my God to do something good in my life. Yeah. Because He has promised that He'll do good towards me all the days of my life. That's why the last verse I want to look at, Romans 5, 3, says this. And not only that, but we also glory It means that we boast in our tribulations. It means we put the devil on notice when he tries to bring tribulation into our life. I don't think so. You don't understand. I'm a blood-bought child of God. You can't have any place in my life. But you know what happens too often to us? Is we lose hope. Just so you know, the enemy is constantly trying to steal your hope. He's constantly trying to steal that expectation of good. Because when the storm comes in a lot of times, we get our eyes off of Jesus and we get our eyes back on the storms in our life. And I want you to know today that God knows right where you're at today. When Peter got out of the boat, y'all remember that story? He got out of the boat and walked on water. When he had his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on water. The miracle was happening. The problem came when he got his eyes off of Jesus and he got his eyes on the storm. Listen, I don't know what the storm is in your life today. And I promise you, every one of us are probably going through some levels of storm. But listen, if you get your eyes off your, st- off your storm, off the situation that you're dealing with, off the challenge that has come into your life and get your eyes on Jesus Christ, it's gonna create hope in your life. Listen. When you get established in this covenant, this new covenant of, of God's everlasting covenant towards us, it creates unwavering, unshakable hope. Yes. Am I saying that you're going to not ever waver, not shake? No, if, but the only reason why you will is because you've gotten your eyes off the revelation of God's reckless love for you. It's so, so simple, honestly, to understand. The moment I'm filled with despair, I've gotten my eyes off of Jesus. Right. And I want to pray over you today and ask you, dude, Do you have hope in Christ today? I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment.